Hey there, it's your friend Kaki, and before we get to this week's episode of So Farscape, I just wanted to thank everybody who joined us last Friday night when Kay and I were on Gigi Edgley's Twitch stream. We're still starstruck over meeting the fantastic actress who brought Gianna to life. She was so much fun, and we'll definitely be back. If you missed it, the recording of the stream is on Gigi's YouTube. You can find the link in the show notes of this very podcast, or you can search YouTube for Gigi Edgley So Farscape, where, incredibly, we're the top hit. Anyway, on with the episode. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to So Farscape, a fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan and a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story, story So Farscape. Farscape. Today, okay, uh, uh, I know that we normally sort of recount what has happened so far in the and, and the science jock on the living spaceship, and all of that is all of that is great. But we had a very special recording today because. We had a guest in the So Farscape studios. Your boyfriend yes. decided to join us, and the first episode of Farscape that he watched in his entire life was episode 204, Crackers Don't Matter. <laughs> so I sort of feel like we need to have a bonus episode where we just ask him what he thinks this series is okay, about. Who do you think is Tentacles? Who do you think? I mean, he, he, <laughs> yes. he has listened to a few of the episodes of the podcast because he just likes to have just people nattering away there, just like people talking in the background, and uh, right, he, so, he enjoys listening to it. But yeah, that's his only exposure to Farscape so far, our see, podcast. Yes, afterward, I realized he'd never seen it before, and then I t- immediately told him, they act like this all the time. This is- I mean, they kind of do, as we said. It's like, it's their usual behavior dialed up to 11. Okay, uh, we're starting on the episode. We actually need a little bit of a run-up. We need to right. do an intro and let everybody in. And I have an idea for that, because do you know how the morning is the most productive time of day? So they say. I mean, I know people who that definitely is not true for, but... So I got up early this morning for no reason, and then I decided to spend my productive morning making a database of all the kisses in season one. Oh, wow. Yes. That's amazing. So let's go over some of the data that I've right. gathered about Do these tell. kisses. Who's been, who has been kissing the most? I think Crichton has Crichton been Crichton is, is an easy he one. He is the kisser. He's the hugger. He's the... Yeah. So I do actually have separate counts for, for kissers, kissies, and there's a lot of dimensions, like whether it was a real kiss or not. Like it includes okay, stuff like Jotheb. Yes, of the consortium trial, which yes. is totally a kiss because yeah. Aaron does the kiss of life to John as well, I and suppose, that also yeah. counts. There's also like some iffy ones, John kissing Australia when he right. when he landed. It was fake Australia, and it was sort of an open and, mouth. And he's not the Pope, so. <laughs> well, let's see if he qualifies. Uh, he might be Catholic. I think that's the only two requirements that you have to be uh, Wait, to be Pope. What? You have to be male, and you have to be baptized Catholic. Ah. And that's the only two requirements that there actually are for being elected Pope. I mean, it's tradition that they elect one of the uh, archbishops, but that's not required. Right. Okay. So and, it could yeah. just be anyone any who fits. Cath- any, yes, yeah. any baptized Catholic male can become Pope. Presenting as male or male identifying or well, like gonads, Okay, yes. Tessies. I mean, I, I believe there is a ritual about that. Because that's at apocryphal. One- <laughs> that's not true. But yes, I know the one you're talking about but with the Casino Royale chair. Yes, and holding that's the them one. And, oh, there are two of them and they hang well. Yes. Not- <laughs> I mean, there is no such requirement or there should be no such requirement for astronauts in, uh, in IASA. Not yes, so. Crichton is definitely number one when it comes to kissing. But, yes. okay, now, 
who do you think is number two? And keep in mind, I have spent the whole morning looking at yeah. all the gifs. 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 Use the French pronunciation of yes. gif here. Because we decided to have the war between gif and gif. It's like <laughs> the best compromise is one where everybody isn't happy, so we're going with gif. <laughs> I'm so happy that you taught that to me, Kay. It's perfect. So, yes, I looked at all the gifs of, of season one to find all the kisses. And any time that you come up for air and you yeah. go back in, that counts as another kiss. Mm. Right? But so oh, does okay. the kiss of life. Right. So, who do you think is number two for number of kisses? Total number of number kisses, kisses, including... Uh, or received, or both? Both, both. Let's okay. put them both Ooh. together. Well, I know Rigel's pretty high on the received count, I think. If, even, oh, if, very good. Even, even though Not I'm, number two, but very good. <laughs> but I, I think probably Aaron... Oh, Dago or Aaron? Dago is also fairly affectionate. So, oh, okay. I'm going to put five points on Dargo because I think you'll think that I, that Aaron is the, the, the most obvious choice. Oh, that's too bad. Dargo, oh, <laughs> five points down the drain there. Oh. You're losing them quickly. Dargo actually scored really low. He's only got two kisses in there. Uh, one of them from John, I know. John kisses him uh, once. No. Oh? They never kiss. I thought John kisses Dargo at one point, but okay, never mind. Yeah. Well, unless I, I mean, I've yet to, I've just yeah. posted it on uh, on Twitter, so we'll see if I get corrected on that. No, he's uh, he's kissed oh. Zan yes. while he was under the influence of his uh, space delirium. Yes, thinking that she was his wife Lolan, uh -huh. and he kissed uh, Yuri Gagarin's Gish. Right. Uh, for luck in the in the final episode. <laughs> so no, he actually scores really low. Okay. Number two goes to Jelena. She's All the right. PK Tech girl. Oh, yes, of course. I was only thinking main cast, so that's a bit of a sneaky one. Well, you pulled a little sneaky on me there. Yeah. Oh, she re she's a returning character. I know, I know, so. I know. No, I'm not, yeah. I'm no not saying, I, I get it. I I'm, get not it say, I'm not saying it's invalid. I'm just saying that it's like I didn't consider that. Oh, and I noticed something when I was reviewing that, because you remember how she kissed him on the eyebrow first and how that was, how mm -hmm. we remarked that was probably a, a sebation thing. Yeah. And then I saw later in that same episode when they're in the hallway, that was episode PK Tech girl, some end of summer camp. Yeah. And number seven, very seven. good. Yeah. End of uh, end of summer camp and like we'll stay in touch. Yeah, right? yeah. He kisses her. He kisses her eyebrow. Uh, well, it goes back to that whole thing which which we talked about. People copying. Uh, things others. that they, yeah, uh, social interactions, gestures, yes. hand gestures, and uh, mannerisms in order to like, yeah, be in a alien society. If like someone does something a particular way, then it's like considered That's good how you do it. Good, good form to to return that on them. I mean, I, I guess that opens up another can of worms in case there's different social status interactions involved. But still, it makes for a generic. Oh, like a, like a salam. Right, for instance. Uh, Where or, the gesture, depending on how high you do it relative to your body, that's... Uh, I, th yeah. I, thought, I thought that was the, the Thai version. The, the Thai ones, uh, yeah. The, oh, yeah, great microphone technique there. Sorry, I just like bumped, yeah, I just bumped <laughs> yeah. the microphone. So we have a joint third place yeah. between uh, Rigel and Aaron. Yes. Rigel, yeah, he's a kissy boy. He hasn't actually given any, but he's... Been... No, I was going to say, he's the one who always gets doted upon. And Okay, when you were watching those kisses, yes. were a lot of them... Uh, on Rigel, were they kind of pedantic or genuine? So I had a sincere checkbox yes, there. There you go. And <laughs> I, I think I, I, and I checked three of them because I think that it's sincere when both parties know who they are and yes. they are real, and the affection is sincere. Right. What does it mean? You can have a sarcastic kiss, or a, yeah. yeah, yeah. You you can indeed have a sort of a, a mocking kiss by someone that that doesn't really want it, but you know that you're close enough that you can get away with that and show your affection through that. And I still consider that sincere. Fair enough. So there you had Jotheb, yeah. kiss of life, not sincere. Crichton kissed Rigel twice. Yeah. Once when he came out of the 
trance in that Maldis put him on when he caught Rigel in the middle of his funeral, uh, right. terrible yes. funeral <laughs> rites. May, uh, may your afterlife be almost as good as mine. <laughs> Go find your own hallowed realm. And uh, uh, Zan at the dinner scene at the end of Through the Looking Glass, oh, yeah. she reaches across and prances smooch oh. on uh, on little Rigel. On Rigel yes. And then the uh, the little peck on the forehead, the little benediction that the Crichton gives Rigel in the in the season finale. Right, and I guess this is just on screen kisses because correct, I correct. would I would assume that John and Aaron have shared a few Would've, more. Yeah, between Dargo bursting in on them on the flax and uh, on the fake Earth, yeah, defo. Yes, totally. All right, so. Well, hold okay, on. Well, no, we're let's not done push yet. it. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Ooh, so who's after? There's joint. There's three people in joint third place, and that's yeah. Rigel and Aaron. And who do you think is the third in third place for the number of on-screen kisses? Ooh, it's a tricky one. It's not a fake out. Yeah. Okay. But I'm, I'm you trying. know that it can include guest cast. Okay. I was going to say. I, I was almost going to uh, hazard a guess and say it was Pilot, but, but I'm not sure. If he gets any kisses, Pilot's on zero. He is on zero. Oh, because yeah. I, I love that cuddle scene at the end of Through the Looking Glass. Where I do too. And it would be so nice if he'd got, gotten a little bit of a few smooches just, from people there. Just a little there. smooch on the claw, yeah, or, whatever. or just like on the side of his clamshell head, hat. I know. Head, that, I studied them in detail. I couldn't needs, find he, any. He needs so. to be kissed. Yeah, Pilot, well, needs, if he's into that sort of thing, true. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, so. In season one, who do you think is is the third person in the joint third place? Yeah, we're going really deep. Ooh. Is it Cray? Okay, I'm going to go with Chris. Oh no, his no? first kiss is is with is with Crichton, and that's in season two. Oh, that's when he gets yes. bored. Oh, oh dear, <laughs> it's Talene, the Delvian woman in the only other right. Yes, in, episode uh, with Delvians in it, and she's the one who takes the form of Alex, who is John's old flame. Right. Yes, and who pretends to be his wife. And uh, right, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so they enough. get a, they actually get a lot of kisses in that episode. It's, it's really weird to like take something like this and and sort of do it numerically. Yes. How do you? I mean, you can't have re- rewatched all of this. How did you like get all the? Did you just ask Google to show you all the kisses and all the gifs? I literally went through all uh, 16, gifs. Wow. Well, I have them in a in a sort of animated gallery, so yeah. I can I can you can sort of look at them. But like, still, like it's like, a, a, you know in Brazil or something. The, the Terry Gilliam film, not, right. the, not the country, <laughs> which is also great. Oh, that might be a good one for a uh, intermission. Oh, you've seen, we've both seen it. That's unfortunate. I was going to say that would be a great hiatus uh, a movie to watch. But... Why? How does it relate? Uh, you're right. It doesn't really. Does it have puppets in it? Mm. Well, okay. Hold on. Hold on. We we do have a greatest hiatus coming up, and I kind of want to be surprised still. So let's uh, okay. Let's have a let's have a think about that because yes, we do have an episode to do today. Gosh, we've been. Oh, we're going on for a bit about it, yes. So I don't know. I mean, I'm we, just we, really we, into kissing. What kind of some shows have a kill count? I don't care about that. I'm not really kiss that count, into. Yes. Just, this is going to be the kiss counter. I mean, we must be down into like single kisses now at this point. Like if we go past third place, right? Oh, you're still on it. Yes, yes. So past the the third place, let me see. Now everyone on third place had four kisses. Oh, okay. oh no, Zan is number four. She had three kisses, yeah. and then after that, everyone has just one, and that's uh, uh, Linnea and Kier. He was the uh, oh, the what did you call him? He didn't get a smooch. He didn't. Oh okay. no, uh, Grant Bowler was his name. He played right. Liko. That's the one, Liko. Yes, yeah, uh, who was very fond of Zan. Uh, no smooches there. No, Kier was the Tavlek. In the like the fourth episode, thrown for a loss. You know, ah, the, yes, I was going to say the Mad name, Max. Yeah, yeah, the name sounds familiar. Warhammer 40k yes. cosplayers, space orcs, and Sporks. also Australia gets one kiss. Oh, okay, I mean that's fair enough. And Yuri Gagarin's geesh. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Okay. <laughs> 
All right, anyway, okay, okay. moving so, swiftly onwards. Yeah, I know this is an unusual episode of So Far Escape, where we spend a lot of time talking about all the kissing in a season that we're not discussing right now, but it's also a really unusual episode of Farscape. It was a very unusual episode. On board Moya... Uh, ah, the music! On board Moya, apparently there is a, a new arrival. Someone who's been brought aboard from another commerce planet on which there was like lots of uh, bounty t- trackers, I think yeah, they're called. Yeah, wanted beacons. Wanted beacons, that's the one. I think we've seen one of those before in the uh, on the other planet when it was uh, Very good, on Dambada. Dambada, that's the one with the uh, jockstrap uh, girl. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that is not the nickname that we have. We can give to Magda Zubanski, who played the excellent furlough, but yes, we had the, was the a, chin jockstrap I, mechanic. I loved her as a character. She was amazing. Right. So we have another uh, person aboard who apparently has promised that they can produce some sort of cloaking device for Moya. Yes, by adjusting Moya's biomagnetics and the crew who went down to the planet, which seems to be everyone except Crichton. Did you get that? No, nothing. What I did notice right from the start was that Crichton was really... Uh, skeptic and angry again right at the beginning yes he was extremely combative and which we've seen in the past few episodes as well that he kind of has these mood swings between being very uh, standoffish and being very agreeable oh great so he's like one of those mechanics on 60 minutes he says he's gonna help and then he screws us Crichton we have to do something Scorpius has left wanted beacons for us all over the commerce planet He's extremely paranoid here already. He's questioning their decisions, and he's outrightly hostile toward this uh, this being who is who is introduced to him, Traltix. His name is Traltix. A person with a generous forehead, shall we yes, say? Yes, very much as so. As a person with a generous forehead myself, I could relate. And he's got this little like accordion bellows on top of it as well. Yes, because this Traltix, this alien with the sort of weird pointy ears and and the weird spiky hair and the and has no eyes. The go- yes, he got like he clearly still has eyes sockets but he's got like some gauzy skin growing over it yeah that's uh so that bellows that was for the actor to be able to see because there's a periscope in there oh wow right that's fantastic <laughs> so yeah he had the sort of pasted over his forehead these fake alien uh, sealed over eyes and then yeah he had a, a, a series of mirrors yeah through which he could actually peer at the world around that him. must be actually quite weird to suddenly wear that and then be four inches taller than that you're normally used to being mm, they should be tall it's tall enough already i need them to look up to me why we don't. Well, you should. There is a scene where he steps over a, a little DRD. They had to film that like 12 times oh, before, before he could actually do that. Because he right. It's very it tricky. Yeah, I can imagine how that will work. I remember the first time I got the glasses that corrected my astigmatism, and I suddenly felt like several inches taller as well, because like oh, the entire world suddenly seemed to be stretched outwards a little bit more. That was a really weird experience. Oh, yes, yes, I get that. But yes, uh, they've been to the Commerce Planet. They have acquired new food, which seems to be flight cases full of... Dried food rectangles crackers because that's apparently the only food that was available on the commerce planet that's it that's it that's what uh, that's what Crichton says to Chiana. He sort of chides her, and she goes, "Well, don't look at me. This is what they wanted to buy." And then he moves on to the next person he can blame, which is Aaron, as usual, who's tinkering mm. with one of the wanted beacons. And she said, "Well, I found ten of these things at the market. We had to get out of there with whatever we could get because as soon of the as wanted beacons. Yes, before they could figure out what we were. Yeah, yeah, because Scorpius had dropped. She found like ten wanted beacons in one market, just around the market. And like the implication was that there was loads more on the rest of the planet. So yeah, they wanted to, to get out and away." 
And uh, they brought these red sort of cross-hatched flight cases with food rectangles that everybody seems to be eating. Yes. I mean, and they do literally look like crackers. Uh, As, and, I, and you've observed previously that they've talked about food cubes, which were already rectangles, and I had to sort of bite my little tongue and the steam was coming out of my eyes <laughs> not to say food rectangles because these are the official ones i like to imagine that like food cubes can come in very flat forms but you can still put them in the space microwave and then have a, a beautiful roast chicken or but these looked like genuine crackers and just like not something that you could he- rehydrate yeah. and turn into a pizza or something uh chicken. so good uh, I mean, like, everybody seems to enjoy them, though. I mean, they're, they're all munching on them happily. And, I mean, I, I do kind of like hardtack, cracker-type foods. I get you. It's I, a, it's I a love nice that texture. gnawing the little crack between your teeth. So I, I'd be down with that. Okay, like, just eating crackers for a while would be boring. Yeah. But, you know, there are worse alternatives. Let me put it like that. Yeah. They have a little test of the uh, cloaking system in which John fires up the uh, module. Yes, the module is being chosen as the beta test for this device that this alien, Traltix, is is offering them because John has upgraded it with Moya components, and so it'll be a decent test. I love my module. So nothing funky better happen to it. I like how Aaron sort of gives uh, gives John a tap on the chest and, like, you're up. There was a lot of really sort of broy body language yes. from everyone in this episode. But John was already, like, very skeptic and standoffish here. And he was like, well, oh, this is going to work. And, like, why do I have to use my module? But he, he gets in there. He turns it on. He's only allowed to turn it on for 10 microns, apparently, because otherwise things are going to go bad. 10 exactly. More than that, and the central device will overheat and explode. <laughs> Just gets better and better all the time, doesn't it, guys? <laughs> And as far as he's concerned, nothing happens. Except what everybody else sees is that the ship slowly starts to go transparent from the back. And yep. and he sits, after he turns it off, he goes like, oh, nothing happened. Everybody goes like, wow, that was awesome. Especially <laughs> yeah. Zahn was very impressed. And she's yeah. generally not easy to impress. I'm unimpressed by your masculine movies. Oh, there was a there was such a weird sort of aggressive energy to this episode. And you're right, especially John, because he's in your face with this alien who tells him, you know, this he's I don't want him aboard, I don't trust him, he's trouble. Yeah. Yeah, very a much. Snake that. oil salesman, which I think one of our listeners described him as during one of the fantastic synopses that we got for this episode. <laughs> we got a lot of synopses. Like talking about how he how he bought a set of steak knives that could cut, cut through a yes, car. Yes, he keeps and, going back to the the the, the late, infomercial the late night infomercial cut through a soul, cut through a car and still slice a tomato. And that's actually true. I mean that I'm sorry, hold on. This is, Cut through a soul? Soul, the soul of a boot. That makes a lot more sense. I was wondering what kind of infomercials you'd been watching. <laughs> yes, it's channel 666. <laughs> yeah, also makes Julienne fries. Out of your soul. <laughs> so his next job, after he's been convinced, is to go to Pilot and convince him. Yes, and Pilot is being actually very forthright. He's like snippy again. Like I, yeah. I, I love Pilot when he's snippy. While vaguely concerned about you... I'm much more interested in how this will affect Moya. Yes, he's so good. When John asked him, Do I look stupid to you? And Pilot no, don't answer like, that. Yes, he doesn't really. Just... <laughs> I, I, I did love that. In this, we get a lot of Pilot in this episode, at least compared to yes. most other episodes. Lani Tupu wrote a little note to uh, Justin Monjo, who yeah. uh, who wrote this episode, like saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You've given me so much to do. Yeah. You know, this episode was filler. 
Oh, there was a there was a an abrupt necessity for a bottle episode that takes place entirely on on Moya because there was mm-hmm. a later episode that had some production delays, right? And so couldn't get started, and so they very quickly needed something. Yeah, we need to record someone's something so we can keep the production rolling. Yeah, yeah, and not like I mean they had episode budget for makeup and whatever, but uh, like uh, set design and studio space was occupied and they couldn't move. So this was written very quickly, and like this is still part of uh, uh, Farscape. I mean, it's found sort of its base tone where it wants to be. It's that melancholy, that emotional, mm-hmm. over the, the heart over the head kind of story. But they were still feeling out their limits. And so this was, let's, let's see what we can do with these characters. What happens when we take all of their flaws and turn them up to 11? No, I noticed that quite early on. One of my notes says, like, everybody's making weird eyes at each other. And, like, yeah. it, you notice it extremely quickly in the episode that people are, like, acting odd. And the camera work as well. Like the yeah. angles are Dutch than usual. Of, yeah, lots of sweepy angle changing Dutch angles where they're like pulling in and out of close up from various right, characters yeah. where they're backing off and like yeah, lots of back sweepy angles that are no- normally either associated with one of the characters being off their head or sometimes just yeah, thrown yeah. in for fun effect. Yeah, so having successfully like convinced Pilot to go along with this plan, they're off to uh, Trial Texas Planet. Yes where the full-size device is going to be installed. Which is apparently on the far side of a four-pulsar solar system. Five pulsars, five in pulsars. fact. Much oh, like there's, there are four heads, and then there are five, five heads, heads, just oh. like myself and Treltix. So yeah. I, di- I didn't catch that whole five-head joke, because he's like got a fi- fairly high forehead, and then he's got these bellows up on top of it, which you mentioned, which we <laughs> talked about earlier. So there's a gorgeous shot of Moya traveling at a really unsafe proximity to these stellar bodies. I, I'm assuming that she's like staying quite far away from it, but it's being shot with the telelens, so it looks like she's much closer. Yes, agreed. Let's agreed. go with that. Otherwise, it makes no sense how close those suns are together or how close Moya is to to them either. They're not suns; they're pulsars. Yes, which don't which pull out hard radiation and don't burn the same way as sun. I Pulsars are fast-spinning dark objects, and you only detect them by radio emissions, not maybe by light. It's, hey, maybe it's very fast-spinning. So I mean, it's they, only being filmed at 24 frames per second. Right. So If it's, it's spinning at more than... Yeah, see? It's like those go. helicopters which would seem that the rotors aren't moving, or at least moving yes, very slowly. Yes, exactly. Okay, let's go with that. Almost everyone is on the command, and they're beautifully lit, because we, we don't regularly get like bright white light through Moya. No. I've noticed, by the way, that season two, the lighting is quite different on, yes. uh, on Moya. It's much more, I want to say gothic. It's sort of, it doesn't there have is. the same kind of, like there's, there's still earth tones, but they're much paler earth tones. It doesn't have the same warmth and, and sort of... Yes. I also noticed what you asked me about before, that like the ceilings seem lower, at least the corridors. The corridors seem to be a little smaller, like not a lot. But they're not as grand as that they uh, used to be. I I get you. I I honestly think that in part that's that's because of uh, there's some exaggerated camera work in this this episode. Lots of real low low angles, right? The sort of claustrophobia and and paranoia. They're using longer and wider lenses. They're using a lower angle of view to really sell that. Almost all shots are from below in this episode. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, so Traltix, who is also on here, assures everyone that, no, it should be, everything, everything should be fine. But I should warn you. Oh, here it comes. Oh, here it Some comes. Some lower life says, forms might be affected by the light. And, and of course, nobody hears a lower <laughs> life form. Everybody, you are all intelligent and you shouldn't be affected at all. Everyone's Lowest emperor's life form new here. clothing. Yes. <laughs> That's a very good way to put it. You affected? Nope. No. Oh, I feel good. 
<laughs> I love Dargo saying nope. Yeah. <laughs> he is such a bro in this episode. Although it very soon becomes clear that everybody is affected. Yeah. Zan almost immediately, because she's like having more photogasms. Uh, yeah. 300, uh, 430, no, it's 345. What, what you... At some point, John starts like commenting on her oh, private, private moment, moment number. Yes. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. That's about got, as explicit as this show has gotten so he far. He got bored doing kiss count. Oh, you know, Virginia Hay, she mentioned that she didn't think photogasms were sexual for Delvians, but it's uh, just something that you need to feel complete. The way she's acting them out sure seems like to an, an, other, an outside observer to be quite pleasurable. Yeah, she's having, some, uh, she's having some ladies' time. Private moments there, yes. Treltix is being given a tour of Moya. I think there's also another thing at play here. I think Moya is also filled with some hay. Okay. Just in the, the sort of atmospheric haze in the hallways lends this idea of oppression and, uh, and closeness as well. We see Crichton testing his blindness, where he goes... Yes, how many fingers am I holding up? And he like has radar vision, and then you get the scene where he steps over the uh, DRD. I have no idea what the point is of this plot line. No. I mean, he's just walking around Moya, uh, trying to find a room which is apparently quiet enough for him to stay in yes there there is something about that that he wants a room that's as far away from the engine as possible to be honest i think it's when he he's just like looking for a room that he can later use in the in his experiments to get the and i'm invoking right. the trial of mintaka three here yes no uh, excellent excellent and we, because he winds up in the sluice chamber in the, which in the laundry we, room yes exactly so, and, yes, no, that's right, further invoking the Treaty of, of, of Mintaka Three, when his plan fails, he talks about that he's going to find another Leviathan. He already knows what Leviathans yes. are. And know what they can do and how they can be used for his so, purposes. yes, he's after something with this Leviathan, and he knows that it's probably going to be in the sluice chamber, so he's using this as an excuse. Yeah, oh, no, this is way too noisy, or this is way right. too... Right, oh, that's clever. My, my, my radar vision gets interrupted here, and Rigel is too noisy as well. Of course, yeah. Rigel doesn't want him around anyway, because <laughs> Rigel's already starting to do his Rigel number 11, where he's, like, retreating and, like, starting to hoard the, uh, the crackers. Oh, not on his own, though. No. So he only starts hoarding because uh, a paranoid Crichton, who has some Jack Nicholson vibes going on at this point, you know, in The Shining. Right. Here's Johnny. He literally says it. He, he literally says it's that. It's so yes. good. He uh, he talks to to Rigel and tells him that uh, that he saw Chiana, which he did. He saw Chiana like munching down on, uh, yes. on some of the crackers and better get there before it uh, it goes out of control. And yeah. yes, she, then Rigel goes into control and starts in the center, hit, center chamber. Center, sorry, the center galley, chamber, not control. Yeah. Yes, where he where where Dargo finds him. Whoa. And then Dargo goes like, oh, are you stealing food again? And like only taking my share. And, and then those two hook up. And you get some camps going on here. So you got like uh, Dargo and Rigel seem to like convince each other that... Wait, what? did you watch the same episode that I did? Because yeah. that's not what happens. Dargo attacks Rigel. That too, but later on they, they, they team feet. up. Oh, no, okay. Yeah. yeah, There's a lot of teams here. I actually have a note that I'm definitely going to use for one of the teams that happens later on. I'm okay. not going to get to that yet. But yeah, sorry, I was I was just... No, no, you're right. I, I yeah. don't like that. Like, I, I, I kind of forgot about the fact that, yeah, Dargo... And this is the first time we see violence against uh, between the, two, uh, the crew members. It's like, Dargo... I, uh, wait, hold on, I'm going to stop you again. again. Do you remember how they cut off Pilot's arm? This episode. 
Okay. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> nice save. <laughs> oh no! Maybe Trial Tix is in the room and turning us against each other. Kind. Ooh, that's. I'm so thing. sorry, Kay. I mean, no, hold on. Been... I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm. I'm. definitely on your side. We have been. The, we have seen the light. It is light out here while we're recording this, but there's no five <laughs> pulsars hanging outside I've the window. I've seen the light. But yes, back on the story. Dargo confronts Rigel and yeah, basically picks him up, slams him down, and starts stuffing crackers in his face. That was. That least, really affected me. No, absolutely. Oh my god! Like apparently, like he nearly broke the brand new puppet that they built oh for, for yes. season two. The aggression there and the sheer helplessness. Our our helpless little Hynerian. Mm. Like Oops. he's never been framed quite this vulnerable before. Not not since he was buried up to his neck. No, I guess not. But yeah, he he actually looks kind of distraught. His like ear brows are kind of like unwaxed and like kind of yeah. He looks very uh, unhappy at being pushed, Force having so much, food, uh, so much food, yes. That you have three stomachs, at least one of them must be empty, which is like technically what he literally said at Lampo. Yeah. <laughs> and Crichton did, did remark that he eats and craps his body weight Wait, every day. day. Oh, I hope he's exaggerating. He better be. <laughs> well, hold on. What is Rigel's body weight if you count all the helium? Uh, that's not his body weight. That's like boy. You're talking well, buoyancy now. There's a difference between buoyancy and weight. No, hold on. You put someone on the scales. That's how you measure their body weight. Ooh. But like, how do you measure the weight of a balloon? You, like, there's a difference between mass and weight. Look, do you deflate yourself every time that you? Uh, no, hold on. Don't answer that question. <laughs> this is a PG thirteen podcast. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, speaking of teams, there's a new team emerging, and that's Traltix and Pilot. Yes. Traltix get on the phone with uh, with Pilot and ask him some quite probing questions. And, yeah, it affects Pilot's like, do you like the people here? And Pilot's like, you know, I don't think I do like them. And later on he asks, do you trust them? And he's again, I, I don't know. But yeah, some, there's some sort of effect going on, and we're led to believe that it's the the light which is shining in, because that's at least what I was assuming that's what, at that that's point. That's what Traltix is telling us, yeah. Right, but it turns out that it kind of isn't. And that's like, All right, I'm going to invoke the Treaty of Mintaka 3 yes. here again, because yeah, it's definitely Traltix that's doing it, because it's also affecting Pilot. Right, you know, who Crichton. has, I mean, yeah, uh, John goes in and talks to Pilot about this, and like, is there any way that the light has touched you no nope. and he goes like no uh, although i mean you'd think that like moya is being bathed in it so and pilot yeah. is like he says that moya sensor readings show up on my database tables. yes but that's database tables but his yeah. also his his tentacles are all, in, all around in moya or whatever it's like i we've never really explored like how he is bonded to moya but then later on he still concludes that oh traltix said that we were being affected through our optic nerves yeah and then continues to believe that. Which is kind of weird. But also, that's another thing that I noticed in this episode. Like, it never really gets explained how Traltix does this. It's like... Right. It's kind of yeah. like left in the dark. It's like, there is this effect, which is clearly being caused by Traltix, but we never find yeah. out how or what. See, now, that why. one I'm back on board with. That one, like, that distinguishes uh, a Farscape from, like, Star Trek The Next yes, Generation. We don't have we don't have to technobabble our way out of everything. Correct, yeah. correct. Like, I actually find myself disappointed when they do the the TNG route of taking a long time to figure out some scientific bullshit that really doesn't matter. No. But it doesn't matter. Like, they have the information. It's Traltix that's doing it to us. But uh, you didn't know that going no. into the episode. So, like, what were you thinking at this point as you were... Because we're we're at a point in the episode, Dargo has just attacked Rigel. Yes. 
Traltics has been talking honestly quite reasonably with Pilot, asking right. whether he likes people. But he's, he's, he's clearly being manipulative. Yeah, you, know? you were feeling that already? Yes. Oh, absolutely. He was like, I mean, at this point, it's already clear that everybody's starting to turn on each other. And Traltics is trying to get Pilot to turn on, to ev- on everybody. Ah, and Chiana is turning on Aaron. I really liked Chiana in this episode because her paranoia is the worst. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she was already the most paranoid one, and it like it goes completely off the scale here. It's like, yeah. it's like, oh, I want to see the thing on the what was it called the tra- the beacon, the wanted beacon, the wanted yeah, beacon that Aaron and has then, been working on yeah. throughout. And Aaron doesn't want to show her because like there's nothing there. And John walks in and goes like, oh, for God's sake, show it to her. And she's like, wait a minute. Why do you want me to watch it? What's on there you want me to see? That's like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, yes. And then Dargo walks in with what's going on here. Yeah. And then we get the two teams that I have my note here. We have the team Aaron and Crichton and team Dargo and Shihana. We have team AC and team DC. Oh. I thought it was worth it. Yes. Which which comes to a head when Dargo gives Crichton a thump. Oh, yeah, he just, like, punches him right out. Dargo's pretty aggressive in this episode. And then Crichton sort of shakes his head and goes, Hey, guys, he guys. La- he, he almost laughs it off. Here's a deep cut for people who've watched certain British comedies in the 80s. Look at us. We're fighting. Bickering. This is us. Oh, young ones? Very good. Ah, Rick yes. <laughs> Look at us. Squabbling, <laughs> bickering, like children. What's happening to us? We never used to be like this. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, he's right, Rick. We've always been like this. Rest in glory, Rick Mail. <laughs> Uh, I, I love how Chiana tucks herself up to uh, Dargo. Later on, she does like she really kittenishly puts herself under her his arm as well. Yes, just like Rigel did to Crichton yes. in Through the Looking Glass. <laughs> but then after that, Dargo and Crichton are kind of okay again. Like They he, always are. Hey, sorry about that. Hey, you good? Hey, bro. Yeah, yeah we're I'm good, bro. They're super bro <laughs> So yeah, there's lots of weird emotional manipulation going on. Especially with Aaron, who was only trying to be polite! <laughs> yes. She does have a bit of a screaming fit at Shana. I'm going Again, to get the- a lot of mileage out of that little audio clip, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I was only trying to be polite! Traltix, in the meantime, zaps a, a DRD. Yes, because he's been on the ceiling this whole time. Yes, he's been listening in on them. Whoa, and influencing their emotions, as we now know. At this point, I was like wondering if there was a second one on board. Because like, at this ah, point, Traltix yeah. has like he's wearing this scaly, plated, armor-type outfit and the, the the other Traltics that we see is generally more robed I believe he just like oh I, 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 I'm I, looking through my jeeps I was really wondering whether or not he was like it was like a different uh when he's talking to the crew he's definitely much more robed and when he's like crawling on the ceiling he's just wearing his body armor type outfit so I was, I was genuinely wondering if there was a second one on board at this he point. has a coat yes very good this is another a ever since Chiana came aboard they've been really focusing on coats yeah Dargo got a got a cool like armored poncho and oh Crichton got his great coat in the yes. last episode that we watched but yes you're right uh, Traltix had a had a traveling coat that he's shucked as well as displaying the ability that his vestigial eyes have these these, yeah, the these laser. sort of sequence, sequence of like spots from which he can emit light and destroy a DRD. Yeah, he just blasts them out of the way. 
Zahn is having another private moment, and then Erin goes and pulls Rigel out of one of the corridors, I suppose. Yeah. She's like she's like walking around with a gun, being extremely paranoid. Pulls open a duct, hauls Rigel out of it, or at least through yeah. it. Let go of me! Dude, Dargo sent you to finish the job. Be quiet. We need to form a united front. Are you with me, she says, as she put a, puts the gun, gun to his head. Fed. Yes, oh. And look, there is now a spiral of paranoia. We have Shiana and Dargo stalking the hallways. Zan passes them in complete disinterest, and they go, "Oh, she she's got to be reporting to uh, to Crichton." Crichton yes, even uh, though she's doing nothing of the sorts. But everybody, the paranoia is turned up to max. Yep, Dargo tongue lashes her, and they go, "She's definitely working with Crichton." Definitely. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, tar- uh, Dargo puts her out of the fight. Crichton tries to, tries to talk to pilots, which I thought was a really good scene. Yeah. Because he keeps asking for, like, did you finish the spectral scan that, yes. he, that he'd asked for? And Pilot is being super belligerent towards him. Yeah. I'm only judging on my experience with you, but I've never seen such a deficient species. Have you run the scan on the pulsar light yet? How do humans make it through a cycle, even half a cycle, without killing each other? We find it difficult to have you run the scan. You have no special abilities. You're not particularly smart, can hardly smell can barely see, and you're not even vaguely physically or spiritually imposing. Yeah, oh, he really puts down John. Is there anything you do well? Watch football. Leading to the point that John actually, just like, okay, if you're not going to do the scan, I'm going to do the scan. He crawls onto pilot's console, starts pushing buttons. Nobody trusts you, Crichton. Do you know that? Sometimes they pity you You because of your incompetence. But you amuse us, and don't touch my tongue. Oh, you want to talk about Get incompetence? Go I bet away. you would dump your ass in I a heartbeat if she had a torch. There is a zap bang, and I don't know, actually, not sure what it is that happens there. If it's just like the, the console sparking out, or if it's like yeah, a pilot question. using his rape taser or something that he... Whoa! <laughs> oh, wow! Uh, anti-rape taser, I should call it. It's like anti- oh, I mean, I can imagine... I can, no, no. <laughs> Those... Yes, those have those have different holsters. I mean, wow. I, can, I can imagine that he would have uh, have gotten himself some sort of point defense after they ripped his arm off, and he goes like, "That's not going to happen to me again." I warned you. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, maybe that's why he usually has so many uh, DRDs around. It's unclear what happens, but yeah, John gets zapped off the console and shakes him loose again, and he goes again. once again, "We're fighting, bickering." <laughs> yes, but Pilot doesn't believe him. Crichton goes to the center chamber again where Aaron and, uh, and Rigel are taking their uh, their share. But his attempts to like, mollify the them yeah. don't work very well because no. he is losing it. Yeah. Where's my ice cream? He goes on and no, but the, what is ice cream? Rigel goes like, oh, I know everything about all the foods in the galaxy. I have no idea what Isa's cream is. Isa's crims. Uh, yeah, yes. I, have, I have no idea. Ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Baskin, Robin, Ben and Jerry's good humor. What's your favorite? Creamsicle or fricicle? What must it have been like on that set to actually, like, look your co-stars in the eyes and see this madness? Mm. I think aggression. I'll, I'll bet there was like tons and tons of outtakes from this episode because it's like just like, like them losing <gasps> it because of it. That has almost certainly got to be true. I will get on. <laughs> hey, Team Kaki, help me with the research. Let's find some outtakes from uh, episode 204, Crackers Don't Matter. 
crackers do matter because that's what Dargo and Chana are loading into the the module. Oh, is that what they're doing? I hadn't even realized. I'm pretty sure that they're taking their share of the food. Into the Farscape module, but uh, John shows up uh, after he sees Zan, like, slumped over in the come-down tent. Ooh. <laughs> uh, he shows them that he has taken the Blaupunkt car radio out of his yes, module. Uh, the module can't fly, and uh, Chana and Dargo both look very disappointed and like, oh, but we were going to escape with this thing and leave. Oh, and also, he didn't care at all about Zan, so maybe they're not working together. And then, no, they're definitely working together. Dargo, he, um, he just left her here. Yeah. You said, you said she was working for him. She was. She, um... Oh, she was. Stay back! No, Gianna, No, you I... stay back. Yeah. Dargo is such a himbo. He is. He is very much so in this episode. <laughs> Normally he shows a little bit more intelligence, although he tends to rush into things. But this episode, yes, he is totally a himbo. We get a firefight between Aaron and... John. Yes, because Erin and Rigel have hold up on the command. She moves the table where they show the cool hologram sometimes when mm-hmm. they have the budget left She's over. She shoved it in front of the door, preventing it from opening completely. So it's uh, it's open only a crack, and through that comes, here's Johnny. I noticed, by the way, there's this really cool sort of teal lighting going on in the in the command. There's all these neat, like, blue-green highlights on the ribbing overhead. I mean, there is lots of weird lighting going on, because, like, uh, our alien is playing with the lighting inside Moya. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's always weird. Like, where is the light coming from? There seems to be like lots of like lights hidden behind beams and stuff to create interesting light effects shining into various I components. Love it. But yeah, there's a, a little Polish standoff uh, from which Aaron has. Uh, Wait, what's a Polish standoff? It's like, don't come in or I'll shoot myself. Oh yes, because at one point, like Aaron points her own pulse pistol at her head, yeah. and Crichton, through his madness, tries to go. You're insane! Look at what you're doing. Oh, you're right. Uh, I don't have the setting turned up high enough. So. <laughs> and she sh- shoots at him. Fortunately, misses. <laughs> Yes. He runs off and he finds Chiana on the ground fiddling with the wanted beacon, showing a hologram of Scorpius talking about John Crichton, John Crichton, John yes. Crichton. Wanted for all crimes. Chases uh, her off and then, like, ironically talks to the hologram. Don't get it, Scorpius. Don't get how crazy they are. And then the hologram turns from red into black and uh, Scorpius talks just steps back. out, starts talking back to him. Yes, that was a creepy scene you're right john they don't get it they don't get how crazy they are because they stole the crackers okay and what you were know, you thinking oh, here? Yeah, no, no, no you know he's losing it it's just like right yeah there's absolutely no chance that this is like for real you know you know that i mean everybody at this point is like clearly going insane from the effects that our uh, resident alien is uh, having on them. Yeah, and it's manifested for Crichton by the vision of Scorpius, who is hovering over his shoulder, encouraging him to go back and kill Eren, and then we'll go to the beach. I know a place with naked Sebastian girls and margarita shooters. I know, but nobody has pizza with margarita, <laughs> which I don't see what the problem would be. I was wondering how long we were going to get there, and hey, Kay, yeah. how about pizza and margarita shooters? Okay. I mean, I'm not sure how you make a margarita shooter, but... I mean, is it just like... Where there's a will, there's a way. Is it just like all the ingredients for margarita just in a shot glass? I mean, that seems like just like a very small margarita to me. You know, I actually don't know what a shooter is. I think a shooter is like a shot. So what are the little jello things called? Oh, that that would be a shooter. Is that possible that's a shooter? Oh, that could do. I've made those in the past. Yes, you have. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Wait, hold on. There are dessert pizzas. Yes. Okay, follow this train of thought. 
Yes, margarita dessert. Jello, margarita shooters, dessert pizza. I mean, dessert pizza is just... That's like madness, though. Pizza. Yes. That, that is madness. No, never mind. Hold on. Let's backtrack and get out of the light. Here's our, here's our firefight, by the way. Yes. Uh, uh, under Scorpius's influence, John has headed to the command. Blast, blast, blast. His double-pistoling, a- cowboy-action-style shooting goes on between him and Aaron until they both run out of ammo and dissolve into giggling fits about the fact that they were just shooting at each other. And then charge at each other. Turning, presumably, into a fistfight off-screen, which, to my surprise, John wins. Because next we see him dragging Eren off back to the uh, to the rest of the group. Where he has already captured Darko and Chiana. Ooh, we're going to have to invoke yes. the... Yeah, there, was, a, there was another fight between him and Darko. Oh, and I actually feel bad about uh, about missing out on this one. There was a scene where, where Crichton corners... Chiana. Yeah, that I didn't like that scene. That had like very rapey vibe to it. Uh. <laughs> Is this why your family abandoned you? Because you'd spread them for anybody in time. John, please, please don't. Nope, pray not. Tell me how you felt about that. Uh, well, like that I said, scene. uncomfortable. It was just like, yeah, there was like, I mean, okay, Chiana is always being the most sexualized character of the group anyway, but, like, she uses that to her own advantage. Right, she's a, she's uh, a self-actualized sexual right, person. Yes, yeah. but in this case, yeah, yeah, John goes very rapey on her, at least potentially rapey on. Verbally abusive. Verbally abusive. Uh, it's, it's a physical assault. Encouraged by Scorpius, who actually suggests that he ties her up and saves her for later yeah. after he deals with the rest of the crew. Yeah, that was, like, very uncomfortable. <laughs> Do you know that this was added later? Oh, yeah. So this episode was filmed, and then Ian Watson, the director, was was watching it back, and he felt it what they hadn't gone far enough. Oh, that okay. these characters had not been pushed far enough, and yeah. they did a pickup scene, Ben Browder and Gigi Edgeley, where like Gigi would later talk about like how scary and intimidating it was I can to imagine, have this kind yeah. of aggression. But also, like Ben was a very nurturing influence on the set. I've mm-hmm. I've understood like he made it possible. For her to give this performance, but like yeah. they also they always had like a come down and a, and right. a cuddle afterward yeah. to ensure. I mean, you can see it in her. Her expression is genuinely terrified. Yeah. She's, she she loses her. She, she she plays terrified occasionally. Yeah, in character she plays terrified, but here you can just. I mean, like, she's a teenager, right? She's a young woman. Yes, as a character, and 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 she's Edgley, like she's also she was also a young actress here, skilled in her craft, but mm. without the years and years of like theater and screen experience that the other actors had. Yeah, so very was, powerful scene, very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I I I thought it was very bold to take your hero because that's what Crichton is. Mm. And, and put him in like that, yeah. Yeah. So his dark side, well, not necessarily his dark side, but To yeah. make it worse. Yes. To, like, because, again, this episode had been filmed without this scene. It would have worked without this scene, and it was added specifically to to, to, to tarnish, to tarnish John. Yes. The, sorry, Mintaka 3 again. At the end of the shooting scene uh, earlier, <laughs> yeah. uh, where we have Scorpius in a Hawaii shirt, but still wearing his BDSM mask. Yes, uh, it's so great, because he's talking about, we'll go to the beach with the naked Sebastian girls. <laughs> Margarita uh, shooters. And John just ends up shooting him, which, and then his he just completely dissolves in a, a whole cloud of spinny little... Yes. Scorpius heads and it just like it goes almost cartoonesquely comic at that point yeah. you know, with like the little birds and the stars floating around except it's just little heads of uh, Scorpius <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it's like I thought it was a very interesting choice of like him dealing with the mental instability with the, that he yeah, was with the uh, dementia and the, and insanity and then like that does seem to clear it up for Crichton at least for the, him yes at least to, to stabilize it because now he's got everyone except pilot prisoner and then he decides to to treat them all to a PowerPoint presentation with one slide yes he turns around the door and it says Teraltics yes T apostrophe R A L T I double X Teraltics. I thought that was really fun. How like you, you can see him actually use the door properly for a while. I think Sandy he didn't have Zahn captured either, but Zahn was just like wandering around, just being happy. Oh, she'd what, been tongue lashed. She had been. Yeah, she was. Kind so of, she but, was but on he, the come down. But he didn't tie her up. No, she was. She was wandering off, and she confirmed at his prompting that she was more affected by the light when Traltics was near. Yeah, because he's trying to convince them it's not the light; it's Traltics. He's turning us all against each other. Uh, uh, Traltics, who has holed himself up in the laundry room, uh, and he is convincing pilots to keep adding more power cores. My Leviathan laundrette. <laughs> Sorry, yes, I just had to get that out there. Convincing him to throw more and more power towards that, and to, to yes. get him to do his thing. He's For like, the, the bioluminescence that right. he's trying to trigger. He's strung in up. Moya. Yeah, he's strung up all sorts of cables and uh, the room is getting brighter and brighter and he's like having more power, more light. I'm at systems overload. I need more light. But why? I'm not sure if I can. More light. All right. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but like apparently it's the thing he wants. Like the five pulsars isn't enough. He wants light from Moya. See, good. That was my thought as well. Why not? To, if if what you want is light, why do you need to turn a, a biomechanoid bioluminescent? Right. I don't know. Maybe they can tune There's the light. There's so the... much light that you can have. There's so yeah. many sources. Might just not be the right frequency. Might not be the light right pulsing. When you can like maybe you can turn Moya into intermittent pulse uh, setting, which makes it all the better. <laughs> uh, so at this point, he's convinced everyone that okay, it's Traltics that's doing it, but. Crichton is still, like, trusting that Traltics was telling the truth by saying that it was all based on optical neurons. Yes. Which is where everyone concludes that, oh, that must be why you're better able to resist it, because you have the shittest eyes. Oh, yes, we have another, like, little bitch fight about, like, if humans are, like, the inferior species or not. Yep, because they're they're so deficient, like Pilot said. If you can't, like... So if your eyes are so good, what does it say on that basin over there? And, like, he looks at it and there's nothing on there. Doesn't say anything. And everyone goes, ha, ha, ha. Warning! Don't flush corrosives. Down the waste tunnel. <laughs> That's all right. That's a joke. <laughs> Warning, and they cover one eye. They're standing even farther away yeah. than he is. Yes, that's like a little bit more ragging on the human. Uh, Humans are superior. Yes. But he is soon made superior through everyone's help. He still manages to convince them that he is the one who needs to go and take out Traltics for some reason. No, but this is it. He's he's the one least affected by it. Yeah, exactly. He can go in there with the best defenses, but they're going to bolster his defenses and everyone contributes. Yes. Dargo gives his qualter blade. Uh, I thought that was quite interesting that he actually went and gives hands that over to John. Yes. That's kind of huge. Huge. Aaron gives a piece of her plowler that he can use as a shield. Yeah. He's got the goggles that I think he got from Dambada still, now painted black, yes. like everything else in, in, in the universe. And he gets like a, a, a nice little a fresh plant mask. A little bit of a cucumber wax. Cucumber from, wax, uh, yes. From Zan, who pre digested it for him, yes. He goes, like, it smells like puke. And like, oh God, it is puke. <laughs> it's puke! Which is like fair enough. Okay. They just keep like piling stuff on, on him. him, like this cape of thermal regulating material that you've got to clasp very tightly. And he gets a hat uh, ter- put on his head, which has also <laughs> been soaked in sans bile. Uh, oh, wait, that's one of the PK hats. That's, oh, right. that's the yes. baldric. It is, yes. Ugh. And I don't know, he looks like an escapee. So, 
from the Rocky Horror Picture Show by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from the from the thumbnail that we saw at the beginning, I thought he joined the Insane Cloud Posse. But <laughs> yes, uh, and for the for those concerned at home, hey, for the MPAA, we're watching it on my own personal DVDs because Amazon Prime does not show Farscape in the Netherlands. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, it yes. is quite it's quite annoying. So he's uh, he's finally also fitted with Trialtix's invisibility device. Yes, which why that is relevant i do not know because trialtix is in fact blind but whatever very good point i hadn't considered that at all Just i mean and, and it, it it does happen like he does walk into the room and trialtix goes immediately notices that someone's there but still can't see him because me i don't know okay invisibility device not weirdness. before like yeah. he gets like he's got the clasp for his cape and he's got his sword and he's got his puke mask and he's got his goggles yeah. and he's got a puke helmet and they finally put the invisibility medallion around his chest. And then he sort of stands there. I look ridiculous, don't yes. I? And he does this Captain America-like pose with the shield. The ride of the Valkyries. <laughs> Throws the cloak around and everybody And everyone's looks- standing there going, We are going to die. Yes, <laughs> this is it. We are losing this fight. Oh, we see a beautiful shot of Moya from the outside, glowing, ah, light all, all beaming her everywhere. White lines are starting to like really shine outside, which like again makes no sense. Why would you make the outside of the uh, of her shine? I, I when know, he's just wanting to soak up all the uh, light. But into the chamber, into the Leviathan Laundrette, he goes. Yes, he walks in. Uh, Traltex immediately notices that he's there, despite the invisibility shield. He starts chopping power cables, slowly diminishing the amount of light there, and uh, greatly disturbing Traltex. It looks like a game show, right? It like, one bit, of those yeah. like crystal Japanese, maze yes. or Japan, yeah no that's great where you have to do these physical challenges all while he's being rendered invisible via a long cable back to his yes. module where uh, Rigel is counting down yes he's been told no more than 10 microts and Rigel's like 8 9 10 11 <laughs> being his usual dickish self but it doesn't matter because the cable gets shot by uh, Trialtex's uh, uh, Trialtex saves the day yes Crichton may very well have died if it wasn't for Trialtex cutting that cable his eye blasts shoot the cable and uh, he becomes visible doesn't stop him he just keeps chopping cables until Trialtex falls to the ground and Crichton straight up murders him. Actually, Trotek jumps to the ceiling first. Oh, yes, you're right. Uh, and then... The, John uses the quarter blade to shoot him down. That's right. And then stabs him with it. And then stabs him with it. And the, twists the blade and just, like, straight up kills him. No remorse, no regrets, no resist... No... Uh, no regrets. No that's regrets. right, <laughs> as the famous tattoo says. <laughs> well, regrets, uh, uh, pilot, we see him next after we come back to a much less glowing, still luminous Moya, uh, who is on the comms to Dargo and Rigel, and apologizes to them. He says, I've talked to everyone else, I want to apologize. Rigel magnanimously accepts... Yes. ...which pilot is grateful for. Although Rigel doesn't accept Dargo's apology. No. Yeah. Not yet, you know, at least. It's, yeah. Yes, and then he says, not yet. Very good. And it, and it's also like, Luxons are not given to apologies. No. We've, we've heard that before. Dargo didn't apologize to Pilot for cutting his arm off. No. But he apologized to Rigel for force-feeding him I mean, those it, crackers. It kind of makes sense, because cutting his arm off, he did willingly and under his own volition. Whereas this, he did while he was under the effect of Traltex's, whatever it was. So I can see how he would... like. It's not a choice he would make again. Yes. Exactly. That's, and I think that's why it makes more sense that he would apologize for that rather than for something that he did willingly and right. in, in full command of his faculties. 
Everybody else in the meantime is pushing the table back that Aaron managed to dislodge, and John comments like, how did you move that on your own? And Aaron's just like, mm. I don't know, I just did. Yeah. It was that cool. I really like this image of everyone like, moving this piano together. Right, yes. Yeah, so like that's, a, that's a real sort of housemates kind every, of move. Yeah, everybody trying to re-establish the fact that this was like not normal behavior, that they were yeah. under the influence and that they want to... Uh, Put their uh, house back, back the way. in order. Yeah. yeah. There's there's some sort of uh, reconciliatory talk. Uh, uh, Zan has no memory of what happened. Pretty much none, no. She John was and Aaron go... Listen, uh, anything I said, I... Uh, uh, I know. Hmm. Me too. We're good. Yeah. yeah. They they both get each other. But the person I was most impressed with is Chiana. Mm-hmm. Because... John comes to Chiana and like apologizes for assaulting her in the yeah. hallway. And she does the most generous thing that a person, I think, can do. And she reassures him, like, oh, no. Some of the things you said. Yeah, yeah. look, I'm sorry, really. Oh, no, sorry, no, no, but... look, don't apologize. <laughs> I was impressed. How did you come up with that? Oh, no, but she's talking about the trash talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she's doing. She's, she's deflecting this. She is absolving him of blame by acting as if it doesn't really affect her. That's kind of her defense mechanism. Always is, yeah. But she's doing it out of generosity. Mm. Like when Zahn asks... Did I... Did I say anything awful, (laughs) Chiana? You don't remember? No, Charltick's triggered such an intense reaction in me, I blanked everything out. Wow. I wish I could do that. No, no, Zahn, look, you were the best out of all of us. (laughs) You look like you were having a great time. <laughs> you were the best of all of us. Yes. Chiana is like she is she's trying to like she's slathering on the cement to tie this family back together. Keep, yeah, keep it from flying apart because of all the things that said. Because look, yeah, everybody's character flaws, I suppose, are dialed up to eleven here in this episode. Yeah. And but that's... then we come back and Chiana's virtues are dialed up to eleven as yes. well. This is such a I think that she can do this because she is a teenager. Right. That makes sense. Right? Because we, we saw how quickly she absorbed this family and tried to cement it together with a meal in the final episode yeah. of season one. And she's, yeah, I guess the kid trying to keep the dysfunctional family from flying apart by, yeah. overcompens- by overcompensating and trying to take care of that. I wonder if that's going to come back to bite her. I mean, she's mercurial. You know, one episode she wants to leave. True. The next True. episode she wants... Uh, because that's that's kind of her experience of life. And now... She wants everyone to understand that they're still good. And I was so impressed with, like, how cool would it be after you've made some mistakes for someone to treat you like Tiana cheats everyone that she sees? Yeah, she's extremely generous in that regard. Okay, let's do a quick note review. Do you have any uh, notes that you... uh... Just something that I just, like realized like towards the end like why does Zahn always wear blue she is already blue it would be like me always wearing like a kind of like pinkish under tanned skin colored suit why does she always wear blue is that okay interesting to, to have this come up now because yes yeah, she's been wearing her vestments again and it's extra noticeable because she's got the the gold sort of collar right, but also her gown is it's all her clothes are always blue i mean you can like orange would go very well with blue yeah, I mean, her, her, yeah. herself she's like blue i mean i think it's a bit weird i mean i think it's honest, a valid question Dargo always wears red, almost always wears red. Uh, And he's he's a lot more color-coordinated now than he was previously because now his tan actually matches his clothes. Yes. So Uh, he has that uh, that harmony going on. Chiana, grey, wears grey and and black. 
I mean, Rigel is greenish, but he wears red. So and I guess, purple. And he purple, looks stunning royal, in purple. Yes. And John wears whatever look, looks hot in him. Oh, he's wearing his vest now. Yes. He's got the he's got the leather pants. And Erin is still kind of wearing her peacemaker uh, keeper outfits. Also black leather. Yes, it's probably faux leather. Or not? I, Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's probably not pleather. Pleather is no. even less comfortable than, oh, uh, than God, leather. That would be horrible. It's, it's glorious. I wonder about it. I mean. You'd look good in pink. Because there are different shades of her skin color. I True. noticed this as well with the only time we've seen other Delvians in uh, in Rhapsody in Blue. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was mostly blue, but yeah. some of them were more violet blue and some of them were more right. teal blue. Hey, maybe that's a limitation to her field of vision. Hmm, her color perception. It was just a random thought I had. Interesting. Um, I'm really curious about that now because like everybody, throughout human history at least, everybody has loved color. Color is... Is how you like that's that's those are your fancy clothes that you yeah. come out with. They're colorful. I mean, that's yeah, color is expensive. Uh, exactly, in- dyes are tough. Like your good clothes, your good colorful clothes, they fade quickly because yeah. they fade anytime you wash them. So you show off. Ah, these are the clothes that I don't have to wash very often. I only wear them when I don't do labor. Yes, I guess Sunday clothes don't get washed a lot until they get too smelly, and then they after you wash them once or twice, they stop oh, being no, your Sunday on. clothes. You, they, as soon as you wash them, yeah. then the or at least in the Dutch tradition, yeah. then the zondag ah, off. Then the then the Sunday's been washed off. Yes, <laughs> and then you've got to get new ones, and those become your new like fancy labor clothes. Right. Yes. Okay, I had, a, I had a few notes. Yeah, go for um, it. There was a lot of Stanley Kubrick references. There was... Oh, there was tons and tons of them. There was The Shining. It's Johnny! <laughs> but also, Pilot got to be Hal. I'm sorry, John. I cannot do that. <laughs> that's, that's, I, actually, I actually have that down as my Woody. Well, actually, yes. my Woody goes actually goes to the banter anyway. It's like, it was amazing. Oh, but that, wow, that specific yeah. one, yeah, that was... Beautifully hilarious when uh, uh, Squeed when Pilot goes like, "Sorry, John, I can't I'm do that." Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have so many things to give my to give my Woody to. Uh, it was, I mean, Scorpy in a Hawaiian shirt. Yes, that uh, was amusing. <laughs> which is legendary among cosplayers, by the way. Like that oh. shirt. Is, there Almost are still impossible. a few on eBay, and they're very expensive. <laughs> Oh, there was a there was a really cool uh, conversation between Crazy Crichton and Crazy Aaron, yeah. where he he says, "Listen, Aaron, listen." To me. No, 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 no! I am tired of having to always listen to you, Aaron. Listen, Aaron. Aaron, listen. To you. Listen, listen, uh, listen, 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 asshole. Listen, please. Listen. I really dug the fight between Pilot and John. For some, that, yeah, that was a really cool scene. It was, the sort of bitch lap patty cake. Yes, <laughs> and he just goes like climbing all over it and pushing buttons until he gets zapped off. I warned you. But on the converse, I think in general, my willy for this episode really goes towards the violence towards each other. It's like, yeah. it, like I mean, it start, uh, The first time I had it written down was when when Dargo uh, started uh, bashing down on, on Rigel, Rigel, but that was only the beginning of it. And like, especially the rapey scene between John and Shiana, uh, that was uh, yeah. I'm, and, I'm but, with you. But all of it, all the, the the constant violence. And the only exception to that one was the kind of humorous firefight between John and Aaron but at that point they were starting yeah. to almost play for comedic effect that was kind of that was kind of glorious and I mean also insane I I'm with you those both have my willy as well I respect that those scenes were in there as as tough as they were to watch like mm. if you're going to show your characters at their worst this is the kind of courage that Farscape has that other shows don't no, I guess not. Yeah. There's this willingness to uh, to drive these characters really into extremes that 
are tough to forgive and then see if people do it because Rigel doesn't. No. Nope. Shiana does. Yeah. And there, everybody else kind of just goes like, well, business as usual, I guess. Yeah. For the Woody, I have a lot of candidates. Right. Pilot. Snippy Pil- pilot. Ah, pilot. Pilot. Obviously. Some pilot is gorgeous in this episode. <laughs> The moment where Crichton realizes he looks ridiculous and then he brandishes his sword <laughs> yes. while he's covered in puke, that is and also... holds the shield, cape goes billowing. That is also the uh, the music that I've used in this podcast. Whenever the episode is finished and we go into the Willy and Woody. Oh, speaking of which... Well, we've already done Willy and Woody, but... Uh, Mintaka 3, come on! <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's the story so far, Scape. We'll see you next week with episode 205, The Way We Weren't. Yes, we only have one synopsis for this one, and it's by Grace. Have you ever wondered who had your co-worker's job before your co-worker got that job? Buckle up, let's find out. Thank you so much for that one, Grace. I'm really excited to show the way we weren't to you. But in the meantime, you can find us at SoFarscape on Twitter and Farscape... And, and Farcebook. Farcebook, yes. Farcebook.com. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on SoFarscape. I've been Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so Farscape, Farscape, so good. good.